Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Even with a balanced diet, it's difficult to cover all your nutritional bases. That's where Athletic Greens can help. Their daily drink is like nutritional insurance for your body that's delivered straight to your door. I was stoked when Athletic Greens agreed to come on board as a sponsor because I've been a user for about the last three years. My use of Athletic Greens was totally unrelated in my mind to cycling. I was really looking for something that would provide sort of a baseline level of nutrients for my body to supplement my, let's be honest, less than perfect dietary choices. As a cancer survivor, I had found that my immune system was a lot more susceptible to the average common cold every year, and I was constantly getting sick, and it was a source of much frustration as it was taking me off the bike. And with Athletic Greens, I was able to kind of get that baseline support and really up-level my nutritional intake, which has now changed me from the first person to get sick in my house to the last. As gravel cyclists, we go deep into the well on some of these big events and some of these big rides, and having some nutritional support is critical to health and recovery. I'll get into a couple of the nutritional highlights that I think you should be considering in future spots, but I did want you to know that Athletic Greens is a sponsor of USA Cycling and is NSF certified for sport which means they're consistently tested and audited to ensure everything on the label is what is in the pouch. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now's the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. Athletic Greens is offering my listeners a free gift with their first purchase with a minimum value of $20. Simply go to athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride to claim the offer. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride. With that business behind us, let's talk about today's podcast. Today, we've got Jeff Duncan and Chris Moore from the Hellhole Gravel Grind Stage Race in South Carolina. As you know, at the Gravel Ride, we love talking to event organizers all over the country to get a little bit of a flavor for what's gravel like around the country and around the world. So when Jeff reached out to me, I was super excited. As I know, Charleston, South Carolina is a gorgeous place to visit, and I was excited to learn what they had up their sleeve. They'll explain a few unique elements about their format that I think you'll enjoy. One programming note, we did record this episode prior to the COVID-19 crisis, so there are references to earlier events in the year and group rides. As it stands now, the Hellhole Gravel Grinder in September is still on the calendar, but Jeff and Chris have assured me that they will be following all local responsible guidelines for getting people together and will be adhering to the current climate. So with that disclaimer, let's dive right in. Jeff and Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm super stoked to learn more about South Carolina gravel and some of the events you guys are putting on over the years. And let's start by talking a little bit about your history as riders and and when you both discovered gravel riding, and then also what made you jump into event organization and promotion. You want to you wanna start, Chris? Yeah, sure. So... Uh... Wow, let's go back all the way to college days back in the early 90s. I raced, uh, I was, I, I rode, kind of rode bikes whenever I was in high school. And then uh, in college, this is the early 90s, the mountain bike scene started getting going and got a mountain bike and started doing some races here in South Carolina. 
and then uh, continue that until I got out of college. And then uh, from there, you know, the work and trying to find a career and everything kind of took over. And then I got back into it in the mid to mid uh, early mid 2000s and uh, just progressed from there. Um, raced road, raced mountain bikes, uh, dabbled as a triathlon a little bit. Um, started, uh, uh, as a, uh, uh, USA cycling official worked up through that. And then we just started, uh, putting on, uh, a race about 10 years ago, a mountain bike race. Um, interesting enough, the mountain bike race, one of the, one of the, one of the favorite mountain bike races I did whenever I was in college was called the killer three mountain bike series, uh, up in Sumter, uh, up near Sumter, South Carolina. And that went away in the mid nineties. And then, um, so our first race that we started promoting, uh, Jeff and I was the return to killer three. Um, and it was just a single mountain bike race, um, at the same place where we used to, where, where the series used to be back in the nineties. And we started doing that in what, 2009, somewhere around there. 2009 was, was that event. And then that grew into, uh, uh, the, uh, the not mountain bike race, which is now, which was part of the Southern classic series and now part of the King King Creek cup. Nice. And when so did, was, when did you start riding drop bar bikes off road? So that started, uh, in, in the, what, probably 2010 or so. <clears throat> um, the cyclocross scene was kind of getting going here in the Southeast and we really didn't have a lot of places to train. So we would go out in the Francis Marion forest and ride the gravel roads and the bike, the, the, the hiking trails out there. And, um, that was like I said, probably 2010, 2011. And then that morphed into, this would be a great place to put on a gravel race. And this was, you know, in the beginning, kind of the beginning stages of the gravel. And, uh, in 2013, we decided to come up with the, the hellhole gravel grind stage race. And, uh, that's where it all started from there. Nice. And Jeff, how about you? Uh, yeah. So I think I have a little bit abbreviated, uh, time on the bike compared to Chris. I, I didn't start riding a bike until around like 2006. Um, and, uh, you know, road was always, uh, my interest, um, I don't know that I ever was very good at it, um, but uh, you know, uh, started out uh, just riding a bike and then entering and doing some crits and whatnot. Um, think I met Chris around like 2009. Met him and his wife on a couple of group rides, or maybe maybe it was a crit, a local crit, and uh, uh, we just started talking. And uh, I think we wanted something different from the team that we are on, so we just kind of created our own thing and. You know, like Chris said, at the at the time, it was a requirement if you wanna if you want to be on a sanctioned team, you had to put on your own race, uh, you know, through USA Cycling. So that's how the the knot came about, and that you know, Killer Three is what it was called. But we've been doing that for ten years, and you know, during the course of those ten years, we've we've done state time trials, cyclocross, state championships, um, circuit races, and then um, I think, uh, like Chris said, about 2010 ish we have uh we had a mutual friend named uh patrick and uh he he was training hardcore for things like trans iowa and 
And mm-hmm. it was still probably, you know, in the earlier days of Dirty Kanza. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of took an interest in like, hey, what, what is this all about? And why, why do I always see Patrick riding in this forest that's right in our backyard? Uh, so like Chris said, we, we hopped on cross bikes and went out there. Uh, in retrospect, that was just brutal <laughs> what it does to your body on a cross bike for that distance. But, uh, yeah, and then, and then uh, I think we always, uh, you know, we're always thinking of new and innovative ideas for events to put on. And for some reason, we wanted to do a road race out there and call it the Tour de Francis, Marion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but road race scene is kind of, you know, was kind of falling off. So, uh, you know, we're like, hey, let's do this gravel. And, and we started with Hellhole uh, Gravel Grind in uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting to see just uh, who showed up to that and and just what that actually became. And uh, it, it took off for us. I mean, I think the I think when we we launched the page. Uh, within hours, it had over 500 likes, and I I remember texting Chris, and I'm like, what What did we just get ourselves into here? <laughs> so that was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I imagine back in 2013, the spectrum of bicycles that showed up were you know anywhere from a, a mountain bike to a cross bike, uh, potentially to even a road bike. What were you guys seeing uh, back then? I, I think that I think I think that first year, I think on the podium, I think we had all three. I think we had a road bike, a cross bike, and a mountain bike on the podium that first year. And and I'll do you one better, Craig. We had a guy show up on a, a thirty-six inch diameter unicycle. <laughs> uh, it was was pretty amazing. He did he did seventy-five miles on that unicycle. So so when I come to ride with you guys in South Carolina, we're going to see a lot of unicycles around. No, no. <laughs> it's it has uh, just you know with, just like the industry, um, you know we see we see we still see some newbies showing up, which is great, um, and we encourage you know show up on whatever bike you feel comfortable riding out there. But um, you definitely can tell you know everybody starting to get or ask about you know what kind of bike should I get, uh, what kind of gravel bike, uh, you know they're asking about things like tire tire uh width and and wheels and brakes and all that kind of stuff yeah absolutely well let's get into it i know you guys do three gravel events each year but i'm super excited to talk about the the hellhole gravel grind because it looks like you know at this point you've got a stage race and some really kind of unique elements to that weekend can you talk through what the weekend looks like and when it starts yeah um so you know, kind of, kind of the whole one of the reasons that we decided to go with the whole stage race uh, idea was because here in the coastal area of South Carolina, it's flat and and very flat. We we will go out for a I think I think what the seventy five mile one day portion of the hell hole is about four hundred feet, about four hundred feet of climbing. <laughs> That's so incredible to me. I think about going out for a lunch ride today and like, there's no route I can pick out of my, my house that is going to net less than a thousand feet of climbing. Oh yeah. 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 Our, sometimes our road rides on Saturday, I mean, we can go, we can go 40 and 50 miles and do, uh, you know, less than a hundred feet. So, so this, so the, the, the idea was to say, okay, well, how can we, how can we take this to the next level? Um, and do something different to try to get people, you know, uh, out here. So we, that's where the whole stage race idea came from. And, um, 
basically the the Friday night before the race. The it, it's it's on Saturday is is stage one. Sunday is stage two. Uh, and and on Friday night, what we have is we have a, a six mile prologue just to get your taste of of what the gravel's like in in uh, in the Francis Marion Forest. Time trial style, little lollipop course um, that uh, surprisingly a lot of people, I would say last year, what we had about 60 people come out for it. Yeah, the, fr- the Friday night time trial portion is optional uh, because we know people can't always make it in Friday evening for the, for the whole weekend. So we make that optional and offer you know, the participants, they get, a, they get a time bonus compared to everybody that does not participate in that. But uh yeah, we, we have a good turnout. People generally like it because they they are going full gas for the you know the 10k like Chris said, and it's kind of at dusk and twilight. So uh, you, you have to be you have, despite the fact that the terrain is flat, you do have to be somewhat careful out there when you're when you're going at speed, um, you know, cross side because you're going full gas. Right. <clears throat> So, so then on then on Saturday it starts out with uh, stage one, and in conjunction with stage one, we 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 have the the, the stage race portion. We have a one day seventy five mile, and then we have a one day forty, usually between thirty five and forty mile uh, route for you know for so that people can slowly progress up. And then on Sunday it is strictly just the stage two, which would be another seventy five miles. So the stage racers are looking at 150 miles over two days. The 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 one days are looking at 75 miles and between 30 and and 40 miles. And are the two 75 mile courses are they different routes? Well, so for the for the first iterations of Hellhole, the answer is yes. Uh, so we we had uh, stage one and two completely different, um, and I think we did that for the first three years, um, but. You know, it's it's largely just Chris and I that that are out there marking the course, and and we do have a, a group of stalwart volunteers that come out and help us. Um, but you know, the, the the forest is 400 square miles, and it's it is remote. Um, there's not real good cell phone reception out there, um, and so it it does provide some logistical challenges. So after the third time, the third year, we decided that we were going to. Um, stick with the same course, stage one and two, reverse it. Uh, and then we to keep people guessing, we do make uh, a few course alterations. And those are usually around like the more technical sections. Um, you know, there's, there's bits of single track that we can tie in to connect uh, different, different portions. So, you know, where we lack elevation uh, and things like that to, to provide a challenge, we, we do other, we, we throw in other means to, to keep people on their feet. That sounds like fun. So on those, do you find that groups are able to stay together on parts of the course and then, then are broken up by the single track sections? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the other reason we try to keep, keep the single track sections in there is we, we wanted to kind of keep it from being a strictly a road race. Um, you know, we had some, some, you know, some pretty fast roadies come down and just, you know, try to try to blow apart the field. So um, we like to keep, keep the technical sections in there as well. And, you know, one of the things about all of our events, uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, our groups able to, to, to form up and work together out there is, um, you know, 
we, it is a stage race, uh, and we do have the one day the one day rides that are available for people. But our our whole philosophy has always been that those that are out there to race are going to race, and it's going to be hard for them. And those that are out there to ride are going to go out there and ride, and it's going to be you know equally as hard for them, uh, relatively speaking. So. Um, it's hard for, it's hard for everyone and everyone's going to, you know, leaves feeling very challenged, but, but also, you know, very rewarded. Yeah, for sure. Now I love that mindset of yours to kind of use the terrain to kind of break things up. And I think it's one of those things that's going to continue to be discussed in relation to events, because as we get more roadies coming into the the market, the last thing most of us want to see is massive Pelotons riding 90% 90% of the race together and then it coming down to a group sprint. I'm a big fan of throwing people into single track and technical terrain. I love when you sort of start to question your bike choice because you chose one thing that was great on the, you know, more fire roady type stuff, but it, it really is failing you on the single track because you should have to make those choices and think about your equipment when you come into these events. Yeah, for sure. And you know the 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 courses, some of the roads out there. You know, it, it's it's there. There are the main roads, and then there are like the A's and B's and C roads that the force designates. Um, so you know, like after the events, it's always interesting to hear people talk that oh, I was with this guy up until Hellhole B, um, and then you know he just took off, and I just couldn't I couldn't you know get through that section and stay with that group. Um, yeah, it's it's always interesting to hear those stories because there's certain roads that stand out and that we try to to fit in the courses just because we know that that's a that's a road that um, some people excel at, but yet some people do not excel at, and uh, you know that's that's what the the little challenges we like to throw in there. Nice. You guys mentioned that you often get the question that that every promoter gets which is like what tire width, what tire size should I be running? What are you usually recommending for people and what do you, what would you ride yourself? Yeah. So we, um, generally speaking, I'll, I'll talk for Chris here on this, but, uh, you know, if I'm just out there riding, riding by myself, my normal route, I'll, I'll throw on a, a 40 millimeter tire. Um, uh, and, and we are, we are sponsored by Schwalbe and we like that. And, uh, so with Schwabi G1s, they, they're very low profile in terms of uh, traction. Uh, there's not a lot of technical sections out here until you hit some of the single track, but the 40 millimeter gives you some protection against the, the bumps and the ruts that you're going to face, but enough, uh, you know, enough good rolling, you know, minimal rolling resistance that you can build up some speed. But we have seen we have seen people come out and uh, against our better judgment, you know, they'll ride a 28 millimeter road tire out here. Um, and so, uh, y- you know, it varies. And in, in some of our other events, we've even had people come out on fat bikes and, and do relatively well. Um, so it really just it really just it's a question of how how much um, how much do you want to feel like you are um, about to get, you know, beat up if, if you will, you know, the, the wider you go, the little bit more plush of a ride you're going to have. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's kind of funny to, to think about, and I've had this conversation with a number of people, just the idea that you do have to consider not only pure speed in gravel, but also comfort. And if you're, you know, if the front of the pack's finishing the race in three hours, but you're a six hour person, 
you're probably going to need a little bit more compliance in your equipment than the guy or girl who's up front, uh, you know, doing it in half the time. Yeah, right. Sure. Uh, and there, there's been some very good discussions recently about, you know, tire selection, tire pressure. And, and uh, generally what I'm hearing is that, you know, narrower and higher pressures aren't, aren't generally better. And, you know, that even might even translate onto the road. Uh, so we, we tend to go fairly, fairly low pressures, but fairly wide to give you that, that cush for the, the longer distances. It's your body will thank you. Yeah. And I've also been really impressed when riding, you know, like a, a semi slick or, you know, just very, very small knobby tire. When you increase the volume, it's actually pretty amazing the ter- off-road terrain you can ride comfortably and safely. I've definitely found that I, you know, I lose a little bit in high-speed cornering, and certainly if I'm braking, the back end has a, a greater tendency to slide out. But generally speaking, like I feel like I can get over a lot of stuff on a semi-slick tire. When I started the sport, I would not have thought that was possible. No, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so lately in the gravel cycling press and cycling press in general, there's been a conversation about USA cycling getting involved in gravel. And they recently did a gravel summit in, um, in Bentonville, Arkansas to get a few of the bigger events together. I'm curious because you guys have a long history in promotion of off-road events and your, your mountain bike events are held under USA cycling. I'd love for you to give the listener a little bit of a sense for, you know, what's it like working with USA cycling on the mountain bike events and then not having to work with them at all on the gravel events? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll field that one first, but, uh, yeah, I guess there's two different aspects. Kind of like, uh, what you said is, is, is it working with them or is it just, uh, what comes along with working with USA cycling? So I, I will at least say, with our uh, mountain bike event, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, is is if we didn't have to use them, I don't know that I would. However, you know, working with them, whenever I need something from them, our our local association is pretty good at being responsive with regard to that. Now, you know, that being said, I I don't think we would, and I, I'm going to speak for Chris on this too, but I, I don't know that we'd ever go to USA Cycling for a gravel event. Um, we don't. I don't think we have any desire to sanction our event. Uh, we do use them for, you know, insurance purposes. Um, but the, the 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 rigmarole that goes along with USA Cycling, uh, people just want to ride their bikes. Um, and and like I mentioned, you know, we have people that come out just to ride. And they want to see what gravel is all about. We have people that come out and want to race. Uh, but there's nothing tied to it. There's no there's no cat up points. There's no um, you, you know, no advance, you know, you're out there just to prove something to yourself. And, and I don't need additional paperwork or additional fees. Uh, we try to keep our, our fees relatively low, uh, barrier to entry because we want people out there at our events and, and the less we, less red tape we have, I think that's the better for us. Now, are you, were you saying you're able to use USA Cycling's insurance on the gravel events? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, so, you know, they have a, uh, for their, for, they, they call them grand fondos. Um, so they allow you to, you know, there's no license required. There's no anything required, but you can, um, submit for their insurance, 
Um, and I think it's like $4 and I think it went up this year, $4 and 75 cents, a a, uh, a rider per day. So we, you know, what we have found is currently at the, at the levels that we have, and it's, it's still the most economical, um, and without having to do any type of, uh, you know, additional licenses or anything like that, it does, it, 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 it for the level that we're at right now, it is, it, it is the better choice. Gotcha. And then if you look at the mountain bike race compared to the gravel race, how much more expensive does it end up, you know, having a fully sanctioned race versus, uh, you know, just going your own route on the gravel? Uh, can, uh, I would say considerably, um, you know, you, you know, each, each rider as they walk up to pay for their, for their race, you know, if they don't have a, a an annual license, they have to pot, buy a one day license. Um, you know, so, you know, that right there is, you know, X number of dollars more yeah, that, I mean, that they may not be anticipating. I would uh, say, I would say it for, for our mountain bike event, you know, you can, you can bank on, if you don't have a USA cycling license, you're going to pay at a minimum 25% more just to register. And, and if you want to get an annual license then the annual license itself is more than it costs to do our event. Um, you know, so he, as an example, you know, we could have new people to the sport show up and you're like, Hey, do you have a license? Cause you have to check. And they show you their driver's license and they have no idea that no USA cycling requires you to pay this fee to have a one day license. And, and it does partially cover the insurance, but again, it's a, it's a barrier to entry. These people just want to experience the event and determine if that's something that they want to get into. And, and I find that any kind of barrier to entry like that is going to, it's going to turn some people off and people, some people just won't show up because of that. There's a flip yeah. You know, on the, on the flip side, some people come out just because of that. But I don't I don't feel like at all that 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 is uh, that there's any I have not I've not once at any of our gravel events. Anyone has approached and said, when are you going to make this a, a sanctioned event? Yeah. You know, no. and, and, and the thing is, is, you know, even with the insurance through USA Cycling, you know, this year from, from between last year and this year, I think it's went up 50 cents per rider per day, which. You know, so I, I think it went from four twenty-five. Now it's four seventy-five. So, you know, it, it 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 is it is increasingly getting to the point where, um, you know, it, it probably in the future we'll start looking at other forms of insurance. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a nice benefit. That it is a nice benefit that USA Cycling is there and can provide that insurance piece. But I, I agree. I mean, a lot of gravel athletes may just sign up for one event a year and even in that even if they're signing up for multiple most could care less about points and upgrades and and all that i think that kind of motivation tends to change the racing just given people's competitive nature etc so it's certainly an open-ended question that usa cycling is grappling with to try to see how they can add value to the community when you know a lot of people from the outside are thinking they're not adding any value whatsoever. Cool. Well, I appreciate the time you guys, I appreciate the the events you guys are putting on. I have to say yeah, going to Charleston and racing hellhole sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the end of September, it's, it's usually warm. Um, and unfortunately in the past, in a few years, we've had to battle some uh, close calls with hurricanes. We actually had to postpone it. Uh, what, two years ago. 
because of a hurricane. But, um, yeah, it's a great place. Um, a lot of people will usually come down and make a whole weekend of it, bring the wife and the kids, and they go do the downtown Charleston thing, and they hang out out in the forest and race their bike. Right on. Well, I'll make sure to put some uh, information in the show notes about how to find you on the web. And I can't wait to hear about all the racing this year from you guys. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks. We appreciate it, Craig. So big thanks to Jeff and Chris for joining us on the podcast this week. That race sounds like a lot of fun, and I would love to get some South Carolina gravel under my wheels. Additional thanks to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Visit Athletic Greens slash The Gravel Ride. As you can imagine, these types of sponsorships are important to the gravel ride podcast. So I'd love for you to check out athletic greens. As I said, I've been a user for the last three years and I I absolutely swear by the product. As always, I welcome your feedback. You can reach me at Craig at thegravelride.bike. We'd love to see your ratings and reviews on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms, as that really helps with discovery. A reminder, we'll be back in your feed next week with another episode of In the Dirt, our new current affairs gravel show. Thanks again for your time this week. Be safe out there. And until next time. Here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.